Welcome to the day. It is April 17. That's the whole intro. Wait a minute, it's not, because I can't limit myself to 17 syllables to properly provide context. Such context is the whole goal of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that attempts to establish a little harmonic knowledge about this chaotic world. I'm Sean Tubbs, thinking you've not heard the last attempt to celebrate International Haiku Poetry Day. On today's program, Council will take a final vote tonight on a true-up appropriation to Charlottesville Area Transit. The four elected officials and one appointed official will also take action on an award of $5 million to Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority to purchase 74 affordable units. A quick summary of cases pending against Charlottesville City Council in Charlottesville Circuit Court. The city wins a $7.1 million federal grant to replace natural gas pipes around West Main Street. Plus, two more haiku. In today's first Patreon Field shout-out, Livable Seville has another event coming up that they want you to know about and consider attending. On April 19th at 6.30 p.m., Brian Coleman, second vice president of the NAACP Arlington branch, will provide examples from Arlington on missing middle housing, racial equity, and opportunity. As Charlottesville continues a zoning rewrite intended to increase residential density, Coleman will discuss the relationship between Arlington's current housing debates and racial equity and opportunity. Stay for the question and answer period to hear a local perspective from Sunshine Mathon, executive director of the Piedmont Housing Alliance. That's another livable Seville webinar coming up on April 19th. Today's edition is a companion of sorts to tonight's edition of the Charlottesville City Council. I had hoped to get these segments posted earlier, but here we are. When Charlottesville Area Transit provided information for the current fiscal year in early 22, officials sent over an estimate. On April 3rd, 2023, CAT Director Garland Williams appeared before council for an appropriation to bring the budget closer to the actual numbers. What you see before you is the operating side of the house for an additional $7,886,856. The additional money comes from three sources. The Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation awarded $656,581 more than had been expected. There's an additional $4,939,780 from the federal government, with $938,323 coming from the Federal Transit Administration and just over $4 million coming from the American Rescue Plan Act. There's around $2.3 million in Federal Transit Administration funding for Jaunt that passes through the city. Williams told council that they have already agreed how this money will be spent in previous discussions. This action is what is known as a true-up. We, we've already looked at the programming and we've kind of already pushed it out um, and looking at uh, trying to bring out more service. The second reading will be held tonight, but it's on their consent agenda. There are a lot of moving pieces in transit in the area. For the most comprehensive coverage of this very complex issue in this community, check out the transit tag on Information Charlottesville. There's a link in the newsletter. 
Tonight, Council will take up the second reading of a plan to give $5 million to the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority to acquire a large amount of housing that is currently rented to people with incomes much lower than the area median income. The purchase price for the units currently owned by Woodard Properties is $10 million, and a philanthropic donor, previously identified in CRHA documents as Riverbend Development, will provide the rest of the funding for the 74 units spread across 26 locations. Sam Sanders is Charlottesville's deputy city manager. Now the city will retain a half interest in this particular portfolio. Uh, and the request would be for the portfolio to be preserved at 60% AMI based on attrition of units. Uh, so any individual that currently lives in one of the units would be able to remain in the unit. But upon uh, vacancy, that unit would be converted to a 60% AMI unit going forward. Sanders said staff have reviewed the budgets of the existing properties and have concluded that they are profitable. Current rents range from $700 for an efficiency to $1,310 for a three-bedroom unit. CRHA would be allowed to retain any earnings from the rentals for their use. Therefore, the funding should be available to support CRHA's interest in adding two additional maintenance staff to support the ongoing maintenance for the property. And they would then retain uh, the ability to lease those properties using current staff within the CRHA organization. Sanders said Woodard is hoping to close the transaction as soon as possible to concentrate on other rental properties, many of which are student-related. There is a concern that if this was not acquired, then this would no longer be naturally occurring affordable housing, therefore becoming more market rate and potentially causing current tenants to be evicted for inability to make a larger rent payment. These units would not be maintained with any funding from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for public housing. Meaning within their accounting, they would need to keep track of everything related to this portfolio because of the city's half interest. As having that interest, we are able to take a look at any part of the the financials and the performance on this portfolio as a co-owner. Sanders had questions for counsel at the first reading the first of which was whether this should follow the same terms as the city's assistance to help CRHA purchase properties on Montrose Avenue and Coleman Avenue last year. The city has a half interest in those units as well, but CRHA gets the earnings. Should this be a grant, a forgivable loan, or a deferred loan? If a loan, would there be interest or none? Another is whether this purchase should be part of the sustainability plan the CRHA is working on. Here is attorney Andrew McRoberts of the firm Sands Anderson. That firm is providing city attorney services to the city. I think the question is, what does the city want out of its money and out of its ownership? And I think that's something that, you know, we collectively need to have a discussion about. Councillors all indicated they saw the funding as a capital investment rather than a loan or a grant. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said he has fielded many questions from people concerned about CRHA's finances. Until recently, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development considered the entity to be on troubled status. What's going to happen? How do we, number one, make sure that whatever our interest is, we retain a veto power against it being squandered? Snook said this concern came out of the possibility of the property being used as collateral for another loan, perhaps. He also said if the properties are ever sold, the city's interest would need to be considered. 
City Councilor Michael Payne supported the project, no matter the form the financial payment takes. He's a member of the CRHA's Board of Commissioners. However it's structured, in my mind, what we're going to get out of it is the city investing in CRHA as a partner, preserve this as affordable Uh long-term, bring the AMI levels down as they pair them with vouchers to 0 to 30% AMI, and that that's also going to help CRHA's operations because they're going to start to bring in more income so they can be more self-sufficient. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade agreed with Payne. I think this is an asset that's assets are only going to increase in the future. So um, that's what I, I, I see it as. So This item will not be on the consent agenda. Another item not resolved as of the April 3rd reading was the status of the outstanding loan that Woodard Properties has for their purchase of dogwood housing from Eugene Williams. Mayor Snook spoke to Mr. Williams on April 3rd. One of the reasons he had formed Dogwood Housing was because he was concerned that in public housing, uh, the kids were not faring well, that the families were not faring well, and that he wants to make sure that when CRHA gets into an ownership position over these same properties, that... The, the concerns he had about the effect of public housing on, on individual families and individual children uh, was not going to, to be extended to these, to, these other, to these kids who are living in these properties right now. Tune in tonight to see what happens, and I'll try to get the report to you as soon as I can. Wraki jest gotów zdetonować 50-megatonową carską bombę. For This is Charlottesville Community Engagement. That's what you're listening to. And in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society is planning a historical tour on April 29th as a fundraiser that will give participants a look into the soul of a community. The Inside the Walls of Worship tour will visit the Congregation Beth Israel Synagogue, Christ Episcopal Church, and the Albemarle County Courthouse, and experts will provide history on the details of each. Tickets are $40 per person, and the tour will start at First Presbyterian Church with free parking. You can register for this fundraiser on Eventbrite, and if you go, have a good time. Two more stories to go today, and then two more poems. Charlottesville City Council will go into a closed session today after their 4 p.m. work session. The topic is legal consultation, and so I thought I would do some research into active cases in Charlottesville Circuit Court. This list you're about to hear does not include federal lawsuits. Perhaps in the comments you can leave some of the ones that are still open? On Sunday, I lacked the ability to research how active active is, but it's important to track what I can on the circuit court portal. Only members of the court can access legal documents remotely, except for land use records and deeds. Samuel Hellman filed suit against city council on July 21, 2016, challenging the approval process for the six-story building now constructed at 550 East Water Street. While listed as active, the last order was filed on April 13, 2017 for a proposed order non-suit. 
For more background on the overall issue, read Tim Dodson's July 6, 2016 story in Charlottesville Tomorrow. Members of the Little High Street neighborhood filed suit against council on July 5, 2018, challenging approval of a special use permit for a 126-unit apartment building at the corner of 10th Street and East Jefferson Street. Council voted 3-2 on July 5, 2017 to approve the rezoning, as I reported at the time, for Charlottesville tomorrow. The last action, according to records, is a plea in bar on August 2, 2018. An anonymous group of city residents filed suit in December 2021 against Council for adoption of the comprehensive plan a month prior. Circuit Court Judge Claude Worrell dismissed three of the four counts late last August, as I reported at the time. Hawes Spencer reported in the Daily Progress on March 4th of this year that a new complaint in the above case was filed on February 13th. It has not yet been served. Trevilian Station Battlefield and the Ratcliffe Foundation filed an injunction against Council on December 22, 2021 for their award of a now-removed Confederate statue to the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center. The most recent report I can find is a February 13th Daily Progress article signaling a delay in the trial due to an illness. There appear to be many new documents in this case, but you have to go to the courthouse to actually look at them. Cabell Marshall of Stribling Avenue filed suit against Council on May 18, 2022, for the rezoning of 240 Stribling Avenue to make way for up to 170 apartment units, as I reported at the time. One of the arguments is that the public hearing was invalid because meetings were still remote. Recently, the Virginia Supreme Court ruled that Fairfax County did not have the ability to adopt a new zoning code during an electronic meeting, as I wrote about in late March. A trial is scheduled for May 12th, 2023, according to the circuit court records. And finally, residents of Jefferson Park Avenue have filed suit against counsel. That was on October 19th, 2022, and it's for the award of a special use permit for additional height and density at 2005 Jefferson Park Avenue a month later. A hearing is scheduled for May 12th, 2023 at 2 p.m., according to the circuit court records. The Charlottesville City Council has been awarded $7.1 million in funding from the federal government to replace some of the remaining iron pipes that convey natural gas to customers in the city. The funding comes from the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration in the U.S. Department of Transportation, and ultimately from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. This will complete a system-wide upgrade in the early 2000s that replaced leak-prone iron pipes with corrosion-resistant high-density polyethylene plastic pipe, or HDPE. The move comes at a time when the city's utilities division has also begun a study about decarbonization of the gas utility. For more on that, take a look at a story now posted on Information Charlottesville. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is International Haiku Poetry Day. I put the call out for examples and have two that came in within the hour I had to get them. Here is my friend Liz Mead. Small town skate center, dancing old man named Tony. One day we shall meet. And here is Doug Eddy. Now comes spring and new. Roots and news like sap the glue. 
for community. An occasional provider of voices in the podcast version of this newsletter. I'd like to do more interactive things like this. And thank you to those two. And, and thank you to everybody else who will contribute something in the future because, hey, you got to engage with the community somehow. That is the end of another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter with a combination of different stories from different sources. I acknowledge it takes me time to get to everything I want to write, but I am grateful to be planning for hundreds and hundreds and perhaps hundreds more editions. That's all possible due to the growing number of paid subscribers. And it's also due to a sponsorship from Ting, where they match the initial Substack subscription of each new customer. They want to support my brand of journalism and to plan to cover even more. If you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code community, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Vraki for incidental music in the podcast, including this great new outro. Thank you, Vraki, and check out their work on Bandcamp. Back soon with more Charlottesville community engagement. Goodbye.